0: of Sleep Whispers. I'm Harris and this is my episode number 229, and specifically, it's an extra-long Whisperpedia episode about the Phoenix 5 prank, which is a hilarious heist that is now part of prank history. If you'd like to enjoy over Episodes of Sleep Whispers, including lots of Whisper Media episodes like this one, then feel free to click the link in the show
1: notes or visit sleepwhispers.com. t-shirt, 8-hour nature sounds, or wireless sleep phones that are valued at
0: $100. There are 18 entries so far, and the giveaway ends on November 27th.
1: five prank for
0: Tonight's Whisperpedia. It was inspired by my listener Tyson. He suggested several great bands while also confessing his guilty pleasure of loving Rick Astley's song Never Gonna Give You Up. (laughs) This song is infamous for being used as an internet prank called rickrolling. And that inspired me. I was initially going to do a whisperpedia about rickrolling, but when I read through the article, it was just mostly examples of rickrolling. So, I went searching for an article about a prank that had a better flow and
1: story form to it, and that's when I found the beautifully written article about the Phoenix Five prank. And it reads like a tongue-in-cheek. Humorous, true crime mystery. <laughs> it's really good. The prank occurred in
0: 1998. Students from one university went to the campus of a rival university and stole their mascot costume. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole prank, but what you're about to hear is a hilarious retelling that sounds like an Onion article, or a mockumentary, or a crazy caper, or a fake story written as an April Fool's Day joke. But the story and the prank are real, and in 2010, the Phoenix Five Heist was ranked as the number one college mascot theft by the Bleacher Report. (laughs) Of note, the mascot costume that was stolen is called Stanford tree. It looks like a raggedy Christmas tree. With googly eyes.
1: And big lips. That runs around on two legs. (laughs) And sure enough. It appears regularly. At the
0: top of worst mascot lists. On the internet, tonight I will answer these burning questions. How did they steal this
1: Goofy Tree costume? Why did the police get involved? Were the identities of the Phoenix Five ever discovered?
0: How did the mascot costume get returned? Was the mascot costume ever
1: stolen again? (laughs) Spoiler alert, of course. What happened to the mascot
0: costume? And this is also another kind of
1: special and funny event within this story. And I'll finish with a list
0: of more funny campus pranks
1: that have occurred on another college campus. Now, you may be wondering
0: why an extra-long Whisperpedia tonight. And it's because I have an extra sponsor. So, that means you get a longer Wikipedia article to fully sedate your pesky stress squirrels. (laughs) And here is something you may not know, that when you fall asleep, your stress squirrels can still initiate jaw-clenching and... it's called squirrel zombie mouth <laughs> no it's it's not called that <laughs> i just made that that term up <laughs> but this teeth grinding is real according to the sleep foundation there is a 15% likelihood that you do this and it reduces the quality of your sleep,
1: damages your teeth, and often results in a sore jaw and headaches during the day. You can prevent this by getting a professional, custom fit,
0: slim night guard from Pro Teeth Guard, a sponsor of this episode. This can be a lot less costly than going to a dentist or the same process, because you can use the Pro Teeth Guard Home Impression Kit and get a pro-quality custom night guard delivered to your door. Are you ready to protect your precious pearlies
1: (laughs) from grinding while you sleep? If so,
0: go to ProTeethGuard.com dot com slash whispers to get fifteen dollars off and for your ease I'll
1: put that discount link in the show notes. Listening
0: to me every night is a great way to distract your squirrels from your stressful thoughts at bedtime
1: best inhibit your pesky squirrels and improve your mental health, you may want to consider BetterHelp,
0: the other sponsor of this episode. BetterHelp will connect you within 24 hours with a licensed professional therapist, get the help you deserve from the comfort of your own home, which is more Offline Counseling Here is a review of BetterHelp by someone who is struggling with depression, stress, and anxiety. Quote, doctor say it is very easy to talk to and open up to and is very receptive and supportive of my needs. I was having trouble sleeping which prompted me to sign up, and after just a few sessions with her, I'm not having
1: that problem anymore. End quote. So, you may not even need me
0: in this podcast after using BetterHelp. I truly wish that for you. As a listener, Get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp, and that's help H E L P by using my special discount link, betterhelp.com/slash whispers. And for your ease, I put that special discount link in the show notes of this episode. Okay, let's begin tonight's Whisperpedia. The following are select sections and details from the Wikipedia article titled, The Phoenix Five Prank. The Phoenix Five Prank was initially motivated by a long-standing rivalry between the University of California at Berkeley and Stanford University. The Phoenix Five were a group of five University of California students who stole the Stanford tree from the band Jack on the campus of Stanford
1: University in the early morning hours of October 17, 1998, the Stanford tree is not a real tree,
0: but a ten-foot-tall, or three-meter-tall, costume and the unofficial mascot of their rival university, Stanford. The Phoenix Five held the costume hostage for two weeks reaction to the heist by school administrators fueled a frenzy of media coverage. This media buzz resulted in the prank being regarded as one of the most famous and notable
1: in the history of the big game rivalry between University of
0: California and Stanford. The Phoenix Five used synonyms to hide their true identities, going by Mr. Black, Mr. Green, Mr. Orange, Mr. White, and Mr. Yellow. The five Cal students were all members of the Mu chapter of Theta Chi fraternity, and drove to the campus of Stanford University as part of a brotherhood activity. Their initial intent was to steal signs from the campus, as was a common prank in the lead-up to the big game, the big game being a traditional term for the annual football game between Cal and Stanford. Upon arrival, the students discovered that cardinal chaos was taking place that night, which means that was the first practice of the Stanford men's and women's basketball teams. Posing as Stanford students, the five entered the event at Maples Pavilion and contemplated pulling a prank during the festivities, but they failed to find any legitimate opportunity to do so. After the conclusion of Cardinal Chaos, the five were standing by their car in an adjacent parking lot when they saw the Stanford tree being taken away from the event by its handler, Chris Henderson. Interested in where the rival mascot was headed, the five followed it, and Henderson, to the old Stanford Band Shack, the home of the Stanford Band. They discovered a party was going on inside the shack and now became interested in the potential of getting close to the tree. The five decided to wait and see if the building would be fully vacated at some point during the early morning hours. Returning to the band shack at about 4 a.m., the five determined that the band's party had ended, although reconnaissance work was needed to ensure that no Stanford band members were still inside the building three of the group kept watch outside. The remaining two members entered the band shack through an open window and managed to locate the tree after going through an old medical library and a wall. After procuring the tree, the five brought it out to the band shack through the front door and quickly managed to squeeze it into the back of Mr. Green's car. As it would have taken a decent amount of time to fit three of the group's members into the back seat as well, the tree was driven away from the Stanford campus and left in a nearby Palo Alto neighborhood. Once all five members returned to this safer location, they managed to fit themselves and the tree into the car and drive back across the San Francisco Bay to the safe confines
1: of the University of California. The group later described the event as a crime
0: of opportunity noting that they had no plans to steal the tree upon arriving on the Stanford campus and only happened to find it unattended the morning after seeing it at Cardinal Chaos. Once safely back in Berkeley, the five kept knowledge of the heist
1: strictly limited, not even telling other members of their fraternity about what had transpired. The tree was kept in Mr. Black's room at the
0: chapter house as the group waited to see what, if any, reaction would result from the theft. The thought that nothing would come of their efforts quickly vanished as the story broke on October 23rd in the Stanford Daily
1: Student newspaper, almost a week after the event. From the outset, there was little doubt that Cal students were responsible for the tree's disappearance.
0: In the initial Stanford Daily story, Chris Anderson, the Stanford person who was handling the mascot costume, said that he believed three or four people had followed him out of Maple's Pavilion to the band shack on the night in question. He also indicated that a neighbor had found the word BEARS written in shaving cream on a bathroom wall of his residence the next morning. This was something the Phoenix Five later denied responsibility for. Once the story broke, the five students decided to establish an identity and claim responsibility for the heist. The Phoenix Five name was decided on because of the obvious alliteration and fact that it had internal significance within the fraternity. The phoenix alluded to the mythical bird that rises from the ashes and never dies. The phoenix five first claimed responsibility for liberating the tree on October 26th in a front-page story in the Daily Californian University of Cal's student newspaper. In the article, five took the opportunity to poke fun at their school rivals. They proclaimed that the tree deserved to get out of Stanford, but would return before the big game, quote, even though the tree knows that Stanford is full of a bunch of weenies, end quote.
1: The five also submitted an anonymous letter signed by the Stanford tree, indicating the tree was no longer happy at Stanford
0: and had learned the value of work, diversity, and spirit while on the University of California campus. The mascot also indicated that he'd been introduced to the outside world, where people are different and Actually left this school. The letter and the picture of the blindfolded tree was perhaps the most famous correspondence during the two week ordeal. The letter and picture served to show that the Phoenix Five had no hostile intentions and were only interested in humorously promoting. Cal-Stanford rivalry in the weeks leading up to the big game. Chris Anderson, the Stanford handler of the mascot uniform, responded to the correspondence by challenging the Phoenix Five to escalate their efforts and kidnap him instead. He proclaimed, quote, I am the tree. Stop talking to a pile of fabric and show a little backbone. Despite the promise to safely return the tree to Stanford before the big game, school administrators
1: and campus police from both universities reacted harshly to the prank. This reaction
0: and the subsequent student response fueled a storm of local and national media coverage. From the outset, police treated the heist as a serious crime, noting that the value of the tree was over $1,000, although Chris Anderson claimed its functional value was worth millions. The police indicated that the crime would be considered a felony. The Chancellor of the University of California also reacted strongly to the actions of the Phoenix Five by releasing a brusquely worded statement calling the heist an outright theft. The Chancellor also issued an ultimatum stating that Cal's mascot, Oski the Bear, would not be allowed to appear at the team's next football game at Oregon State unless the tree was returned to the police department by midnight on October 28th. It was later discovered that Cal's mascot, had no plans to make the trip to Oregon State in any event. Bay Area television news crews reported live outside of the police department the night of the deadline, but the tree was not returned. Instead of returning the tree by the midnight deadline, the Phoenix Five summoned local media to an empty parking lot in the Oakland Hills. They paraded the costume in front of television cameras for the purpose of assuring the public that the tree was still intact and unharmed. The Phoenix Five reiterated their initial comments that the tree would be returned to Stanford
1: unharmed. For the big game. Despite these reassurances,
0: Stanford police retained their hardline stance, as the police captain stated, quote: "If you do the crime, you do the time." end quote." Reaction by students at both campuses and members of the public was generally disapproving of the actions by police and the administrators. Students at UCAL were particularly disappointed at the reaction by their own chancellor to the heist, which they thought served to squelch long-standing traditions in the rivalry between UCAL and Stanford.
1: This negative sentiment was a major point of discussion in the media coverage of the event.
0: In addition to the heist being mentioned in Sports Illustrated, two ransoms were offered for the tree's return in Bay Area newspapers. One ransom amount was $5,000 from an Internet sporting goods supplier which would go to a charitable Christmas tree fundraising drive. The consistent pressure by officials while sparking negative reaction and media coverage eventually paid off. The Phoenix Five decided to return the tree two weeks after liberating it from the Stanford campus as more and more people Inside the Phoenix Five's inner circle were discovering their identities. The group decided to return the tree so as not to be identified by the police. While there was some concern that one or more of the group would eventually be discovered, there was no immediate concern that the ongoing Stanford Police
1: investigation would turn up any substantial leads. But, after the midnight deadline had passed for the return of
0: the mascot, a story in the Daily Cal indicated that police were close to identifying a member of the Phoenix Five. The police based this lead on the fact that they had stopped a car filled with five UCAL students on the Stanford campus. On the morning of the heist, these students were seen near the panjack and indicated that they were looking for a party. The Stanford police indicated that they were retrieving one of the students' photographs from the Department of Motor Vehicles and were confident that this would break the case. However, the Phoenix Five denied they were stopped at any time on the Stanford campus and further denied that this investigation had anything to do with the tree's return. The events surrounding the tree's actual return started with an anonymous phone call to the Chancellor's office in California Hall on October 30th. The caller A representative of the group offered to return the tree in exchange for full amnesty for the Phoenix Five,
1: and this was granted by the Chancellor and by the Stanford Dean of Students.
0: Then, at approximately 4 p.m., an older man, calling himself Richard, walked into the Chancellor's office with the tree and a plastic bag. After a brief inspection by the Chancellor's executive assistant, Richard left without disclosing his identity. The Phoenix Five later stated that Richard was in no way related to the group. The tree was then driven back to Stanford by a University of California police detective who described the victim as, quote, very well behaved, end quote. Upon arrival back at Stanford, the tree was received by a small welcoming committee of Stanford students before being secured in the Stanford Police Department's evidence room. Prior to returning the tree, the Phoenix Five issued a final letter to media outlets stating that they were returning the tree because of the hostile climate that has been created in recent days. In a letter they stated, quote, Gone are the days of healthy rivalry in which students of opposing schools could pranks on each other in the name of school spirit, End quote. This letter indicated the group's disappointment with the harsh reaction the theft received from school officials. The Phoenix Five also stated that they hoped UCAL students would show even more school spirit during the upcoming big game week and acknowledged the generous $5,000 ransom donation to charity. After the Stanford tree was returned by the Phoenix Five, and in the days leading up to the big game in 1998, the chancellor and members of the group took the opportunity to elaborate on the events. Taken place over the previous few weeks. In an interview with the Daily Gal, the Chancellor said that he thought the theft of the tree was, quote, pretty funny in a sense, end quote, but also believed it could start a dangerous trend. He was worried that both UCal and Stanford would continually strive to one-up each other.
1: He said, quote, My concern is that the line between a healthy, friendly
0: rivalry and an unhealthy, violent rivalry is not so easily crossed. I would like for us to have a good rivalry. End quote. The Chancellor also noted that the Phoenix Five had acted with a degree of wit and charm. He attempted to clear the misperception that he was discouraging the rivalry by taking a hardline approach to school ranks. Two members of the Phoenix Five revealed their identities to the Daily Cow the day before the big game,
1: including Mr. Orange, the only freshman of the group. In the
0: big game edition of the Daily Cal, the Phoenix Five explained their motive behind the tree heist and subsequent media correspondence. Quote, We wanted to pump up the rivalry, make it a Cal spirit thing, and poke fun at Stanford. With a rivalry like this, you've got to live in it, you've got to do something with it,
1: otherwise, why bother having it? End quote. A full picture of the Phoenix Five, with faces unblurred, appeared in the Daily Cals,
0: 1999, Big Game Edition, a year after the heist. Shortly after being returned, the tree met its demise during halftime of the Stanford-USC football game. The cardinal band put the tree through a tree shredder, stating that it had been contaminated. A new version of the tree was then unveiled. The Phoenix Five heist of the Stanford tree is particularly notable because it stands as the most recent major big-game prank. It marks a turning point in how similar events are viewed by campus officials at UCAL, Stanford, and other schools. The tree was stolen again in 2003. But was returned the next day due to threats of legal action from both the Stanford band and school administrators. This type of hardline stance will likely continue in the future and is directly traceable to the reactions by officials
1: like the Chancellor of the University of California in 1998. The Phoenix 5 caper made it more difficult for similar big-game
0: pranks to succeed and also made it more difficult for these events to be viewed in a humorous and competitive light. The Phoenix 5 prank has since been considered
1: perhaps the most tumultuous event associated with the big game in recent memory. That is the end of the Phoenix Five Prank Story. But
0: I've dug up some more examples of campus pranks from the Wikipedia article titled, Traditions of Pomona College. And sure enough, Pomona College is another college that's in California. Here are some examples of pranks that have occurred at this college over the years. In 1911, two students snuck into the dean's office and buried the large safe there beneath the floorboards. It wasn't discovered until several weeks later. In 1966, students stole the Christmas tree from the dining hall and
1: moved it to the top of Smith Clock Tower. A chemistry professor who taught at this college between
0: 1945 and 1982, named R. Nelson Smith, fostered Department, which included office modifications such as replacing a desk chair with a toilet, turning all the furniture upside down, and replacing all the
1: furniture with a gerbil and its food cage. In 1975,
0: students replaced the artistic display honoring Frederick Chopin on the Bridges Auditorium with one honoring Frank Zappa in advance of a
1: concert he performed there. In 1978, students suspended a 13-foot or 4-meter sailboat from the ceiling of the dining
0: hall. And the last one, which is my favorite. In the 1990s, students covered up the door to the mathematics faculty offices to make it look seamlessly
1: like a wall. This is the end of tonight's Whisperpedia episode. I hope you are deeply relaxed, or even better, deeply asleep. If you'd like to listen to more Whisperpedia episodes right now,
0: feel free to click the link in the show notes. Or visit sleepwhispers.com for immediate access to over 250 more episodes.